times we see uh, the Psalms and others as just cold words on a flat page, but they were written from the heart. And uh, we can never take for granted when we're reading anywhere in the Scripture uh, where they were written, what time they were written, what, you know, it wasn't just written to us, it was written to them when they wrote it. And uh, it impacted their lives and can impact our lives today. I mentioned something last week uh, about Adam hiding from God. Well, I want to uh, explore that in depth this week. I want you to turn to Genesis 3. Genesis 3. And as you're turning, I want to thank you for praying for us over the last couple of weeks with uh, Becky's mom's illness and my family traveling last weekend. And uh, I did pretty good until about mid-afternoon. Now, if I seemed preoccupied last Sunday morning, I was. I can go on a trip by myself and I'm all right. But if I, my whole family goes off and I'm at home, I don't do well. And so they were all gone, and I knew they were traveling back. And uh, being, I became a little anxious about that. Uh, my 16-year-old daughter was driving a little bitty car uh, home from Powder Springs. And uh, according to how they went, one way coming home, she would have got on every major expressway except I-85 to get home. 20 to 285 to 75 to 16 to come home. And so after service was over, I knew that they were on the road. I began to call my wife. I didn't call my daughter because I didn't want her to pick up. So I called my wife. I said, okay, where are you at? And uh, I follow them along the way and uh, try to keep track. And so I went and ate at Dairy Queen with some of the others. I just went in, didn't know who was going. I said, I got to do something to get home, get my mind off of things. And so I went into Dairy Queen. I uh, finished up, and when I got home and walked in, sat down uh, in my bedroom. Uh, in my in my chair, when I sat down, I heard the door open, and before uh, I even heard her voice or anything else, I said, "Thank you, Lord." I said, uh, "Emily's home," and it wasn't but about 15 minutes later that Becky and Ethan got home. Now I say all that to say this: Number one, thank you for praying uh, for our family. Number two, I would call. I said, "Where are you?" Oh, I'm somewhere. Uh, on 16. But don't jive with me. I want a mile marker. And I will make them stay on the phone until they give me a mile marker. And I know exactly where those mile markers are. I know what exit it is. I know all that. I wanted to pinpoint where they were at. When they were on Fort Road, Camp Creek Parkway, you know, and I, I wanted to make sure there was no conversation until they were at least past McDonough or Jonesboro and I, I wanted to know where are you? Don't tell me you're south of Atlanta. Don't tell me you're close to Macon. Tell me where you're at. Well in this scripture much like me uh, caring for my 
family, God asked the question, where are you? Except the difference was, I didn't know where they were. Even when they told me, I didn't know. I could guess, I could believe what they're telling me, but when God asked the question of Adam, he knew exactly where he was. And so it was almost a rhetorical question. He wanted Adam to meditate himself on where he was at. See, God knew better where Adam was than Adam did. And I want you to see that today in this subject. Where are you? In verse 1, chapter 3 of Genesis. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said unto the woman, Yea, if God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden, and the woman said in the serpent, uh, serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Notice, first of all, that the spirit of Satan uh, came, first of all, in a negative tone. He said, Did the Lord not say, or did the Lord say, You shall not eat? Satan wants us to focus on the negative and see all the things. You know, the world says, oh, if I get sold out, I can't come to church. I can't be saved. I can't go to church and, and, and go to Sunday school. I can't be baptized. I can't do those things with a student group because if I do, I'm not going to have any fun. I've got to give everything up. That's the negative idea, the lies of Satan. The truth is, the only thing you have to give up to serve God is sin. And the wages of sin is? So, it makes good sense to look at it positively that when serving God and allowing Him to be Lord of our lives, it's a big positive because there's life. Abundant life. But notice he continues. And she told us exactly what the Lord said. And see how simple the lives of Satan can be. Students, I know you're all amazingly smart, handsome, and beautiful. You're in your AP classes and you're advanced and you've got certificates and you're you're great at everything. But I want you to notice, Satan plagues on us. And adults, we're all grown and smart. We've got it all figured out. He did not come with a complete, opposite picture that spelled out in a three-point message why God was wrong. He simply changed what God said with one little word. God said, if you eat of the tree, you shall surely die. And Satan said this, verse 4, The serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. It's not always the big shiny lies, it's the little simple ones that can trick us up. For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, you shall be as God's no good need. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. The eyes of them both were open, 
And I just read through the one act that changed all the time. Cancer, war, pestilence, Ebola, Iraq, Afghanistan, Gaza, AIDS, diabetes, heart attack. Started right there. It all started right there. When they decided they would disobey God. And their eyes were open. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. The Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? Where are you, Adam? Adam! Where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid, God, because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Y'all know that feeling, don't you? Mom or daddy's caught you red-handed. And you can lie through your teeth all you want. They caught you. I mean, they don't have evidence. They don't have hearsay. Your siblings are not telling on you. They caught you. You're dead to rights. This sounds just like us. The man said it's the woman's fault. The woman said it's Satan's fault. Man said, the woman whom you gave, he blamed it on God. You were to give her to me, I wouldn't have had this problem. It's your fault. Now we laugh, but how many times do we blame it on God? So God, you got us into this situation. She gave me of the tree and I did eat. Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Then God said, Well, you didn't really understand. It's just the first time. It'll be all right this time. Don't let it happen again. You should understand excuses didn't work with God in the garden, and they will not work in eternity. Whatever your excuse is today, understand before we go any further, it does not wash with God. Every song we sang this morning touched on and magnified the holiness of God. That we would be a, a tent, a sanctuary. That's what it means. It doesn't mean a wonderful edifice with all the pomp and circumstance, with gold thrones and all kinds of places that we can come and sit and worship God. It means a tent in the wilderness where God comes and dwells with His people. God, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure, holy, tried, and true. Listen, 
when I had, when my kids were little, I don't know how we ended up with it, but we ended up with one of those books, Where's Waldo? Now, even from there, you can see there's red and white stripes, and y'all know who Waldo is, right? Man, I love the Where's Waldo books. I mean, I'd snatch them from my kids, and I'd sit there all day, and I'd be looking for Waldo. And he's actually in that picture. Because me and my son looked at it on the computer, and he found it pretty quick. Sometimes, here's the key. I mean, there's hundreds of individuals pleading on that picture. Not just Waldo. There's all kinds of people in that picture. And they try to mess you up because Waldo has a hat. He has a red and white striped shirt and blue pants. You see all the red and white stripes. You see the blue. But they're reversed. And some are skirts and not pants. And some are different kinds of hats. Sometimes in our lives, we're in a large group of people, a large place in this world, in church, and we blend in. God said, where are you? Where are you? See, we need to stand up before God and say, here I am. Here I am. Dude, I'm right here. You see how easy it is to find Waldo when all the other stuff's not around it? Well, I want you to see with me today. I want to ask you some questions about you and your life. I want you to be honest. And I'm going to give you a self-test. Not from me. Don't have to answer to me. You have to, number one, you have to answer to God. Number two, you have to answer yourself. The Bible says in verse 8, they hid themselves. Now I want to ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself, where are you positionally with God? Are you a friend of God? Are you a child of the Father? Or are you a foe of the kingdom? First of all, ask yourself, am I a friend of God? Not that is God my friend. We know God is our friend. We know God loves us so much that He gave His only begotten Son. Amen? But if the world looks, and when we are honest with ourselves, is there any evidence we're a friend of God? We weigh out whether other people are our friends based on actions, right? Let me give you some reasons why we avoid friends. They were avoiding God, were they not? Guilty. That, I mean, they were just freaked out. They knew something wasn't right. I mean, their whole demeanor had changed. They said, we, we were naked. Who told you you were naked? They hid from God. Their friend. Because that, God would just come and walk with them. They would walk and talk, just like the old hymn said. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can do that now by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? When we get rid of sin, we can walk and talk with Him all day long, anywhere. But what happens when we hide? Well, if you're like me, you're guilty of jumping aisles at Walmart. Because you're too busy or too, you say, I don't have time to talk 
on in today. You see someone, now y'all are all holier than thou, and you say, oh, I ain't never done anything like that. Yeah, right. See him across the parking lot. See him at church. You sit on different sides of the church just so you won't have to deal with them. Used to eat out and used to go on vacations and all kinds of things. Why do we avoid our friends? Number one, insecurity. We become insecure. They were insecure in who they had been created to be. Remember what Satan told them? If you'll eat of this, you can be as God. One of the largest cults in America and the world tells them that if they really work hard as we are God once was and as God is we one day will be. It's Mormonism. They say you'll become a God. He's just the greatest God but you'll be God. They were so insecure. Look, be who you are in Christ. I don't want my friends to be what they think I need them to be. I just want them to be who they are. That's what draws us to one another, right? Well, God doesn't want us to be conformed to what we think God wants us to be. He wants us to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what He wants. You will never come and get good enough to be the friend of God. When you surrender to be what God wants you to be and be secure that's what God's called you to be, then you will be everything God wants. A dear friend of mine, Charles Williams, almost 90 years old, referred to me and some of my friends as his preacher boys. One of the most godly men I've ever known. Went to be with the Lord this week. He lives shoes that I can't feel. Great leader. Great pastor. Great friend. He didn't have any real formal education. Had a real rough voice. But it's amazing the accomplishments of his life. You see, he pastored in a little small crook of the world. A little, little place called Cedartown, Georgia. Anybody know where Cedartown, Georgia is? I don't blame you. You didn't miss Cedartown is surrounded by the booming metropolises of Van Wert and Aragon and Rockmark and Cave Springs. Well, in this little place back in the, I don't know, 50s, 60s, there were several pastors in this association set the woods on fire. Horace Wilson, Charles Williams, and a young little preacher boy, fresh out of school. I mean, green, couldn't do anything. Before you think it was me, I wasn't even born yet, okay? He would go on to pastor one of the largest churches in the Southern Baptist Convention. Make one of the leading impacts on the conservative movement. Many of you have sat at his feet at his pastor's conference and been, been taught. Charles mentored Jerry Vines. And uh, the last book that Jerry Vines wrote, he wrote in respect 
as a memorial, his book he dedicated to Charles Williams and Horace Wilson. The last sermon that Jerry Vines preached as pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida, with 10,000 people in the auditorium and over 2,000 in the overflow, preaching that last great message as their pastor. He referred to old pastors who never die. They just go into eternity. And he referred to old preachers. And all of a sudden I heard a voice I recognized. And I looked up on the screen and there's my old friend Charles Williams standing in the middle of this great congregation. Probably never preached to more than three or four hundred in his life. And he's standing up singing a cappella in this vast auditorium. Oh, come, angel band. See, Charles didn't care who was standing around. He was singing to the Lord. He didn't care what people thought. He did what God called him to do. We must not hide when it comes to being a friend of God. Say, you've got plenty of friends in this world. Amen. We need to be a friend of God. Now, God doesn't need us. God wants us. God can do whatever He wants. We read the other day where He had these three great armies kill each other and Israel never had to raise a sword. God can do whatever He wants to. But He wants us to be His friend. Let us not be insecure. Let us not be arrogant and say, I'm better than that. I don't fit in. Some of you moving up from elementary school to middle school. Some of you from middle school to high school. Some of you from high school to college. Do not think you have yet attained. The Apostle Paul said, as long as I'm here in this life, I will never have reached the pinnacle. Do not forget your friends. Be loyal. Love them. Cherish them. But above all, don't ever forget to be a friend of God. You can say I'm a member of FCA. You can be a card carrier of every Christian organization. But if you don't live like a friend, you're not a friend. Don't be arrogant in your walk. Are you a child of the Father? Why do we hide from our parents? I can tell you why I died. Guilt. I've done something I wasn't supposed to do. I mean, why do we have to send out Officers for wanted felons. Cause of guilt. They didn't have any problem. They just walked down the street. I hadn't done anything. The guilt makes them hide, makes them run. We run from God. Adam and Eve ran. Though they were the only two human beings alive, they had the full attention of God. Because they were guilty. Some of us today will not come to an altar of prayer, we will not attend. Sunday school, we'll not do private Bible study at home. We we get too busy. But the truth is, that's just filling the vacancy that is left because we will not fellowship with God because of guilt. The Bible says that if we regard iniquity in our heart, God will not hear us. Psalm 66. It's amazing to me. Some people, and I said this other day, it says they're praying, and I'm praying, and, and I don't mean to be judgmental, but, you know, it's the only inclination of, of any sort that resembles Christianity in their life. God doesn't care about our prayers until we care about 
about him as a father. He said, now, preacher, that's harsh. I want to remind you what he told Israel. He said, I'll be your father and you'll be my children. I'll be your God you'll be my people. But if you choose to reject me and not follow me, I'll not be. Do not think you can go through this life any way you want to and say, well, God just loves everybody equally and so we'll all end up in heaven. Because i got news for you. That's not going to wash. Because if that was the case, let me ask you a question. Why did Jesus have to die? you believe Jesus died on the cross? Then you must believe He died for your sins. Not somebody else's, yours. Are you a child of the Father? Or are you hiding because of guilt or anger? I've been mad at my parents before. I've been mad. You've been mad. Go hide in your room. Go out in the yard. Do something. You go get away. Didn't want to hear them. Didn't want to talk to them. Because you were angry. Some of you here today may be here and you sing the songs and you try to muster a smile. But deep down in your heart, you retain anger against God. Now before I go any further, I want you to I want you to understand something. God understands that sometimes. He doesn't say it's okay, but he understands. He understands our finite little teeny weeny mind. And when we see things in our lives, we see it like this, and God sees all eternity. God understands our hurt. God understands our anguish. Y'all get that? You ever been in a situation you got angry with God? I have. God, I don't understand. And because I don't understand, and you're God, you ought to understand, this is not right. God says, you're right. To start with, you don't understand. But I love you and I'm going to get you through it. Some things just don't make sense. If you ever look at someone and say, God, I don't understand why all, it seems like the whole world's against them. Read Job. You know what the number one lesson in the book of Job is? Bad things sometimes happens to good people. And let me remind you, Job got mad at God. He got so angry with God, he said, I cursed the day I was born. He didn't curse God, but cursed the day he was born. God had to humble in his spirit. You see, we get angry at the Heavenly Father. Where are you positioned? Are you a foe of the kingdom? You know what makes us an enemy of the state? We become prideful. You know, I, I don't get the whole great infidel cut the head off the serpent ideas and you got half the Muslim saying it's not in the Quran and they're just crazy and the other half says yes it is in the Quran and we're doing it for all I don't I don't understand all that but you know I I can see how people can be so deceived into believing some of this stuff. What I can't grasp is someone who was born on American soil and enjoyed the fruits of freedom that have now gone overseas and joined them. The Bible says a kingdom divided will not stand. Right? And he said pride goes before what? Destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. 
You don't know why America's in the shape we're in? Because of pride. We thought we've got it all figured out. God's got us this far. And we're so smart, we're now God, we don't need Him anymore. We've become a foe of the kingdom. There are other nations sending Christian missionaries to America. We oppose the kingdom because of pride. You know another reason? You know what one of the greatest, and I think we're seeing today, a lot out of our government that becomes an enemy or a foe of the kingdom? Laziness. Just not doing anything. He told Habakkuk to stand his watch. Get up on the tower and be ready. We're not watching and waiting. We're not prepared for the fight. I had breakfast with uh, Lieutenant Myers Friday morning as he was leaving Fort Stewart on his way home. He gave me military officers to give out coins, these little medallion coins. And he gave me two. And one of the coins has an American flag on it. And it says, Only Christian soul. Very proud of that. But the other one has a suit of armor on one side, and on the other it has the man suited up, and it has Ephesians 6. It has all the pieces of that armor around it. He said, I want you to have this. He said, you showed me and my guys great respect. Your church showed us great respect. We thoroughly. He said, you don't understand being on that base with 25,000 soldiers, he said, Eastside was an oasis in the desert for me and my guys. The last two weeks. Church, I'm proud of you for that. Respect. And I will tell you now, the message just amazing. phenomenal last Sunday night. It stuck with me all the way. Man, my circumstances changed, but the faith remains the same. And I shared that with you. Oh, and by the way, he's coming back to preach for us on Veterans Day. But you know, he said, I'm giving you this one because you may not wear a uniform for the United States Army. He said, but you wear a suit of armor for the kingdom of God. And I was humble because number one, that's a daily suit up, isn't it? You ever got about halfway through the day and realized you left your breastplate of salvation or your, uh, or I mean your breastplate of righteousness at home? I mean, really. There was a time where I wrote them all out and I would put them on the dash of my truck and I'd go through the checklist. Go down and say, okay, do I have this on today? Do I have this on today? And, and you know one of the number one things we don't prepare ourselves, we're standing there ready with our helmet of salvation, our breastplate of righteousness, and, and our chest protected. And we don't get our feet ready to run. We're not prepared in the gospel. Are you a foe of the kingdom? Where are you passionate? What's your passion? Matt was talking about Revelation this morning. And that last church, the church at Laodicea, he spoke to them about he would rather they be hot or cold but not lukewarm. I want you to ask yourself, where are you passionately? Are you cold? God is just someone I hear about in church. 
I believe in God. I believe in a higher power. But I use terms such as karma. And I refer to luck. And other things that I have just as much faith in. See, your faith is only as strong as what you have in it. Are you cold? Passionate. You're just cold in relation to God. Are you warm? I, I ask God to help me when I'm sick or I need something. Well, that's good. You should. But is that as far as it goes? Or are you warm? Are you burning up? The Lord is my God. I give Him my love. I give Him my worship. I give Him my service. I give Him my devotion. That's what that song means. Lord, you prepare. I can't prepare myself. You prepare me to be a sanctuary. Pure and holy. What? We don't like that part. Try and true. Cold? You know, we used to love that game. You know what I mean? Have your eyes closed. Especially pin the tail on the tongue. We'd have to pin, you know. I'll be honest with you. I never went first because I would memorize. I would look and count up how many blocks it was. And I would kind of guess how far over it was. I, and I'd cheat. I'd, I'd be blindfolded, but I'd cheat. I mean, I always won. They'd say, colder, colder, warmer, hotter. Where are you with God? What's God saying about? I, I'm not asking you to answer yourself. Ask God to answer that for you. Am I cold? Am I warm? Am I burning up for the Lord? Where are you purposefully? What's your purpose in life? What, were the, what was their purpose at this time? Their purpose was to feed the flesh. To feed the lust of the eyes. Oh, it looks wonderful. Oh, the pride of life. We will be gods. Are you looking to get the most out of life no matter what? It doesn't matter who you step on. It doesn't matter who you mistreat. It doesn't matter what uh, or how you hurt people or your name. You're going to get what matters most. The Bible tells us. Where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. Tells the story, doesn't it? The things you talk about the most, out of the abundance of the heart and mouth speaks. What do you talk about? You talk about Jesus? Or you talk about Mogan? You talk about leading people to Christ and the goodness of God? Or you talk about how bad the world's in and how politics are all messed up? Are you looking to get the most out of life no matter what? Do you vote based on how much you think you can get out of financially or what God's Word says? Are you following other ideas or others' ideas of what gives you purpose? My best friend, when I first started preaching, was there and supported me that night when I walked the aisle. We were running buddies. When I started preaching, that first year, 
I didn't, I just wanted to preach. It didn't matter. I was willing to pay to preach. So much so that I started a radio program on a little AM radio station called the Fountain of Youth Broadcast. <laughs> well, my buddies in our student group there, they said, we want to be a part of it. And so him and his sister and a couple more formed a singing group. They did wonderful. <coughs> Believe it or not, I preached at 7.15 on Sunday morning on the radio. Got up, got ready, and was at the radio station at 7.15. Now, that only lasted about a month, and I figured I could record it. And we were, we started recording it on Wednesday night, and I just carried it on Thursday. And I listened. Thank you if I got up. But I'll never forget, we were standing around after church. And I went to preach at a youth revival, and they were asked to sing. And after the service, we were all standing there, and everybody's come by shaking their hands and telling us, you just get gooder and gooder. Oh, you're going to be something when you get old. Grow up. I'm waiting for that one day when I grow up. <laughs> I'll never forget, a lady came by my best friend and said, you're going to make a preacher too. And there was something about it sent a chill to my bone. She was calling out God's purpose for this boy's life. She didn't even really know who he was. Can I tell you that within two years, we were not even on speaking terms. He fell out of church, fell into the world. And I probably spoke to him five times since then. In 30 years. I know exactly where he lives. He knows where I live. And I have since heard people look at young people who are on fire for the world. And I see them, you know, they get up and play in the Christian band on Sunday morning. They lead FCA. And people say, you're going to be a preacher. You're going to be a missionary. You're going to be a preacher. Well, don't ever think authority to tell somebody else when you can't even figure out a purpose for your own life, what their purpose is. Pray for God's purpose in their life. But let us be very careful not to try to lay a burden on somebody that's unfairly cared. Just because you see good may not be where God wants you because you know what? God is glorified in the things that you couldn't do without Him. That's what supernatural is. So I could never stand up and do what you do. You think that I could? I don't do a very good job of it, but what I do, I do by the power and grace of God. I can't do this without you. Have you purposed in your heart to follow Jesus Him alone? I've said, and I will repeat, parents, you all, you are the number one spiritual caregiver to your children. Not the school, not the student minister, not the pastor, not the music, not the other things. And if we will do our job and, and trust them, then we pray God will take care of the rest. So that when that day comes, just like in a few weeks for some in this room, where they enter their first college class and some crazy left-wing Tree-hugging, flaming, commie liberal tells them that God's not real. Then I 
you matter to God. Everybody matters to God. And God's got a place in your life that no one else can feel. I can't play a guitar. I can't sing like they do. And it's just, I love it. I, I, mean, I can't hardly play radio. God's called me to be, first of all, He called me to be a son. And I've tried over the last several decades to be a better son than I was in the first couple. Then He called me to be a sibling, and I've tried to be a good brother. Then He called me to be a good husband. And I'm still working on that. He's called me to be a good dad. Relationship, serving God, and called me number one to salvation. Then he just called me to be faithful. Then he called me to serve in ministry. That's where my significance is found. Last night, during the Hall of Fame speeches, Michael Strahan, the last one inducted, gave his speech. He thanked everybody and wasn't as bad as Andre Reed. But Michael Strahan thanked his dad, his mom, his uncle, his coaches, and everything else. But when he got to the end, though, this is what he said. He said, of all this, he said, I'm, I'm so proud of this bus. I'm proud to be among football's greatest. He said, but you know what I'm the most proud of? He had his kids there. He said, I'm the most proud that they call me dad. I said, get down. That's, I mean, that's what it's about. We'd be proud of our ball teams. We ought to be proud. If you're going to do it, you ought to be proud of it. Amen? If you're going to drive it, you're going to build it, you're going to play, you ought to do it with everything in your being. Or quit. That means the body of Christ. But serving God at all costs, we ought to serve Him with the fullness of the significance that we matter to Him. Are you sinfully running your ruining your future? Is there things in your life that will cause you to wreck the rest of your life? Listen to me, teenagers. It takes one act to wreck your whole future. And we're all one temptation away. A 15-year-old boy. President Britton Parker College, son, did that Tuesday night. They buried him in Church. Don't ruin our future. One insignificant thing that we don't need. And I want to ask you this as they come. Are you willing? To submit your life today? That's the question. Are you willing to give Him your all? You're willing to step out of the, the shadows when God is calling you today? Where are you? Are you willing to submit your past, your present, and your future to God who sees and knows right where you are? It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you say. God knows your heart. 
God knows your sin. God knows your walk. God knows your desire. You say, well, I mean, well, really. Uh, God knows the intention of my heart. He does. And He knows that if you really meant what you said, you would act on it. And today God's calling you to an altar of repentance. It is time that you stop believing. I'm going to get to heaven some other way but Jesus. That I can be good enough. That I can be baptized enough. I can be rich enough. I can be uh, pretty enough. And today you come to this altar and say, God, I'm a sinner going to hell without Jesus. And you sin him to die for me. I repent of my sins. I confess them before you. And ask you to come in and cleanse me. Today, Christian, you have run long enough that it's time to step out of hiding and come and say, God, I've messed up. God, forgive me, cleanse me, and draw me back into fellowship with you. You need to be baptized and let the world know how proud you are of God for what God did for you. Come. Whatever you need to do. Where am I today? Come and let God answer for you. Stand. Honor Him. Come and let Him you desire.
possible. Y'all know the TV. Uh, her name was Patsy Hill, I think, half the time. This is my youngest daughter. Uh, the Dear Mission Possible, something pretty significant happened in eternity. I don't know if y'all heard it, but it was with praise in the presence of the angels. The Bible says that's what happens when somebody gives their life to Christ. It's born again. Was you saved, Dear Mission Possible? So you want me to be baptized? I think I can hear the praise going on right now. Helen, did you just give your life to Christ? You believe he's saving this one? God's still on the Still walking through the cool day, seeking us. What a blessing it is to know. He's not a God somewhere that can't be touched. He cares about all of us. Still, He still loves us. Jesus still died for sinners. The world can't change him. We see God is still giving, granting victory. We'll just pray and trust Him. So we praise Him this morning. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, they're going to stand here and... Uh, if you would like to come and just shake your hand, let them know you're proud of them, let them know you're praying for them. Now, I understand, and Tina was a little nervous about coming in front of everybody. I said, I understand that. You know, I still get a little nervous doing that. I said, but you play ball, don't you? Yes, sir. I said, you play ball a long time, yes, sir. I said, do you realize every time you go to bat, half the people there is against you? There's a home and a way. There's a home and a visitor. And whichever one you are, the other one just really, honestly, you not, may not be ugly about it. They just say you strike out. I said, but understand everybody here is for you. Right. Amen? Amen? So I'm proud of you coming. I'm proud of you coming to take my first question. Let's talk to today us into the presence of God for the scripture and all that you get, all of y'all do every week. Choir, man, that's great. Hadn't heard from y'all in a while. Enjoyed the summer off. That's a good way to start back. And that was wonderful. Be back with us tonight. We're going to have a wonderful time. Finish praising the Lord. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Tuesday night at 6 30. Brief share. So uh, if you, you feel like you to benefit from that, or maybe you can help others. Don't don't hold back. Come. Speak to Penny. Speak to Lisa about it. I think it'll really minister to your heart. Anything else before we dismissed in prayer? I need help stacking chairs, though. We got game night tonight for you. Alright? Don't forget that. Alright, if nothing else, Matt, will you dismiss us in prayer this morning? And uh, we just thank you uh, just for being a God who uh, loves us. Lord, we thank you for the lives that were uh, changed today. The, the lives of the people that came to know you as their Savior. Uh, we, I pray that we as a church would surround them and love them and nurture them and disciple them as you call us to do. Um, Lord, I pray that you just help us to have a passion 
uh, for you on a daily basis. Uh, help us just to uh, come back tonight just to worship you together as a body. Um, we love you. You're most precious upon you, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.